The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 16, verse 33. If you don't have a Bible with you, there are some in front of the ch- in the chairs in front of you. Or if you have your cell phone, you can Google it or go to your Bible app or however it is that you get the God- Word of God in your life. Make sure that you go to John chapter 16, verse 33. Now we will have a number of verses that we go through before we get to that verse. So if you're taking notes, I invite you to uh, jot them in the margin of your Bible or in the back of the bulletin so that you can track along and refer to these verses that I'll be referencing later, if that is something that you would like to do. Uh, Before we preach, however, I would like to share with you, um, you know, I've been here for almost a year now. Coming up next month, it'll be a year. And it's just a good time, a logical time for me to review myself and how I've trusted the Lord and followed the Lord and have I have I been obedient to the Lord and leading the church and all of these things. So what I decided to do this week was create a comprehensive list of all the things that have gone the way that I expected them to before I began the pastor at this church. And I would like to share with you that list. So let's go ahead and show that. There it is. That's, that is the comprehensive list. And, uh, and tell you all, I mean, that is the God honest truth too. <laughs> Golly, what a year. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, and some pastors, when they're casting vision and like we've been doing and the core values and all the things that we've been doing lately here in our church, sometimes they will make projections of we're going to reach you know, 50% of all the population of Johnstown or we're going to increase the membership of the church by 15% and, and they'll have these really specific numbers and these types of things. And, and if the Lord has given them great insight for some of those things, then that's wonderful I mean, and that's a great thing. But, um, but, but boy, God has not so blessed me in that way and because uh, none of this year has gone the way that I expected it, and, and there's really this reality of I know that in the future, that I really have no idea what will happen in the future for our church and, and what things exactly will look like. What I can do is I believe what we've done is nail down some core values. Uh, the things that I know are certain, the things that are just clear commands in Scripture that I, can, I know I can lead us in those things. Those things are set, those things are certain. But as far as what the intricacies look like as we progress through the future, um, I, I don't know. I'm just a man. I'm not going to pretend to be any more super spiritual than any of you. I, I, I don't know how much more the church will grow. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a real reality that if we were to grow this next year the same amount that we have this past year, then we're going to be like, this building is not going to be big enough anymore. And, and that may happen. It may not. Uh, we, we may have tons of kids running around here. We may not. I don't know. I don't know what new ministries were going to pop up. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I don't know exactly what things are going to look like. But I know who my shepherd is. Amen? I, I trust the Jesus that we're following. And I know that he's not going to lead us into anything that's not good for us. There may be difficulties. There may be challenges. But, but I trust him. I trust God's faithfulness to me. I trust God's faithfulness to his bride. And that's enough. Amen? Let's, let's go to the Lord and pray. Father, we love you. So much uncertainty. So much of the future that is a, is a huge question mark, both in our culture, in our world, 
even for this church? And those question marks are okay. Because there's not a question mark when it comes to your character, Jesus. Who it is that you are, what it is that you have done, the care that you will continue to have for your church, those things are certain. There's no questioning those things. And those are the things that we're putting our stock in this morning, Jesus. We trust you, we love you, and the question marks in life are okay. In Jesus' name. Everybody says, Amen. Uh, if you were to imagine in your mind a ship, and I'm not talking carnival cruise line ship, I'm talking Mayflower pirate type, you get the picture and you understand, large sails, wooden deck, you, you, you get the picture. You, I, I trust that all of our brains are considering what that looks like right now. Uh, I don't really know much about them, but I know a few things. I know that, that they have these large sails, these huge pieces of fabric that guide the direction of this boat. And, and what I know is that when, when the waters are calm and the wind is consistent on a nice day like it is outside today, is that you can, a ship will not only be guided forward, they're always guided forward by the power of the wind, but you can also guide them directionally. They can, they can be guided somewhat to the left or to the right, depending on which way they're going, by these huge large sails and the positioning of these sails. Uh, but what I also know is that when a storm comes, when there's something that's contrary that comes, be it the wind that's over the water, be it the undercurrent that's underneath the water, be it a storm that's all about, uh, the, the, the sails are not enough. It needs a rudder. And you all know what a rudder is, the small piece of flat thing that sits near the bottom of the back of the boat that can be changed angles and it will determine the direction of the boat. Now, a ship using its sails and its rudder in unison, even in a storm, can t continue going forward without any trouble. But the large sails, these are the things that really move the ship. And we see that there were some characters in the Bible, many of which I don't have enough to tell you all of them, but they had some large sails in their life. They had some things that moved them, that directionally guided them. It gave them the power. When a big gust of wind comes and fills the sails of a ship, it will press on the, the main mast beam that sits down in the ship and it will push them about. And, and there are some people in the Bible that had some large sails that pushed them in the direction that they ought to go. We see this true of David. In 1 Samuel 16, verses 12-13, through 13, God says to the prophet Samuel, He says, Arise, anoint him, anoint David, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David, and from that day forward. So David had this large sail in his life. It moved him. There was a reminder that he was anointed of God to be the king of Israel and to do what it was that God had called him to do, to be a priest and a prophet and a worship leader of Israel. He had that main sail that moved him. He had another main sail, and he had many others too. You'll see these throughout Scripture in 1 Samuel 17.32. And Goliath is showing off in front of the armies of Israel and threatening them and scaring them. David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go out and fight with this Philistine. David had hoisted a large sail in his life that he was not going to let evil prevail against God's people and, and take over what God had already promised the Israelites. He set up a large sail in his life and it moved him. Daniel had some large sails in his life. In Daniel 1, verse 8, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor of the wine with which he drank. 
He, Daniel was going to be different than other people. He was okay with that. He had set the sail up that he was going to be different in this culture and in the Babylonian culture in which he was. He was going to be different. He was going to set up that large sail and it was going to move him not to partake of the foods and drink that him as an Israelite was not supposed to partake in. When Daniel saw the way things were going, when he, he distinguished himself, Daniel 6 verse 3, it says, Then Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Daniel set, set up a sail that was going to move him. It was, an, it was a sail of an excellent spirit before the Lord and the work that he was doing that Daniel put himself to. It was a large sail that moved him. Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had a large sail that they put up in their life. When they refused to worship the gods of the culture, in Daniel 3, verse 12, it tells us, it tells us that this sail got, was the talk of the town among the secular town in which they lived. It wasn't even them saying it. Here are some officials coming to the king and say, there were certain Jews among you who have set affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. It was the talk of the town that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had put up some large sails. They were going in a different direction. These things moved them in a different direction, the way that they ought to go. Jesus had some large sails, and He had a bajillion of them. Here's just a few. John 10.10, Jesus says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, and they may have it more abundantly. Jesus set up the sail that He was a life giver. If you believe that, say yes. He's a life giver. Jesus set up the large sail of John 4.14. But whomever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. He's an everlasting life giver. He's a water giver. He's a sustenance provider. Jesus set up those sails. Those things moved him. Luke 19.10 For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. If that's good news, I hope you say yes to that. That is good news that He has sought us in the way that we were lost. And time would fail me, church. I, I could not even in a thousand hours even tell you of Nehemiah and Moses and Joshua and Paul and Stephen and all the other ones that set up some large sails in their life. The things that, that moved them in the right direction. Now, New Covenant Community Church, I believe, has set up some of these sails. We've set up some large sails. We've hoisted some things like we are here to praise Jesus through worship and the Word. That's a large sail that we've hoisted up and it moves us. We've hoisted the sail of we're here to proclaim the Gospel to our neighbors and the nations. We've, we've already done hoisted that sail. It's up and it's moving us. We've hoisted the sail that we're here to practice holiness through New Testament orders and ordinance. We've, we've set the sails on those things. They're moving us. We set the sail of produce disciples marked by love and loyalty. Those are our core values that we've been preaching over these past several weeks. This is our very clear direction. These things are moving us. These, we've already set the sails that's already moving us in that direction. And can I just tell you of how I felt in my time of this almost year now of being the pastor of New Covenant Community Church. Man, it has been protected and blessed. And, and, and I feel like we've been going on these smooth waters and now these these sails are moving us along on this nice journey and things are just going so well. Um, but look to John 16. Our Bible should be there. Verse 33, we're picking up in part B just for this one snippet here. It says, Jesus says, In the world you will have tribulation. 
All right, that's the sermon. Let's all take up the offering and go home. <laughs> In the world, you will have tribulation, Jesus says. You will, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So this promise that Jesus gives, that, that the believers will have trouble. There will be tribulation. Don't be surprised by it. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You will have trouble, you will have tribulation, you will have difficult things to work through and to move through. But he says, be of good cheer. We, we do it not with a downtrodden look. We do it with good cheer, knowing that Jesus has already been there. He's already taken care of it. He's already been through those things. He has already overcome the world. But this promise of tribulations coming, we see true. No wonder, it's God's Word. But, but we see it absolutely working out in the lives of these biblical characters that I mentioned for David and Daniel, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Peter, and John, and Jesus, and it worked out that there was some tribulation that they worked through. And even though the fact that their ship was moving in the right direction, they had set up the sails that were good, godly things, statements that they made that this is the direction we're going. doesn't matter what people are doing. We're setting up the sail. The sail has been hoisted. We're sailing this direction. Even though that was the case for them, it did not negate the fact that Jesus' word is still true, that tribulations would still come, and that storms would come. So I know that New Covenant Community Church, even though we've set up these large sails, we've hoisted the sails of these core values, that, that trouble and challenges and difficulties, because of Jesus' word being true, which we trust, we know that, that they will come. Things will come that are difficult to work through. Difficult decisions will come. Trialsome things will come our way. So what do we do? And if you're ready to hear it, everyone say Jesus. In a storm, a ship needs a rudder. Now listen to me here. A rudder, when the wind is contrary to the way that it's normally blowing, a rudder can correct that so that the ship continues to move forward. When the undercurrent is contrary... And it might be nice outside, but there might be some riptides around the island that you're sailing or wherever it is it can put you off course. There can be things that you don't see on things that you didn't expect moving you off course, but, but if a ship has a rudder, it can correct it so that the ship can continue moving forward. A rudder can be used quickly. Uh, it takes a while to move sails around, but a rudder is very easy to manipulate very quickly, and it can correct course very quickly. A rudder is just a small thing. And if you know much about boats, you know this to be true, even huge cruise ships. We'll have a rudder that you think, man, this thing steers that whole thing. I mean, and I have not spent a whole lot of time on either one of these types of ships, but I have spent an, a lot of time in a canoe. And sure enough, it's true, you can be paddling along in a 15, 14, whatever, 16 foot canoe paddling along. You can just take your hand and stick your hand in the water and you can direct the course of a canoe with hundreds of pounds inside of it just with your hand sticking in the water. It's just a small thing. So what we see that David, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Peter, John, Jesus, and all these, when they had trouble, they had a rudder. And you say, well, what in the world is a rudder? I think we can see from God's Word that it's a compressed statement. It's a small thing that summarizes what the large things were that they had already set in motion. It, it describes the large sails that were put up in their lives. It described it. They were used quickly. They, they could correct their course so that these believers in God could go the right direction the way they ought to go. Let me give you some examples here. In the case of David, Goliath is doing his thing, threatening the children of Israel and, and, and the, the intensity of the battles heated up. And it's, it's made known that somebody's got to go out there and fight him. 
And, and listen to David's response. He could have been scared. He could have been fearful. He could have seen the weaponry that Goliath had, the, the armor that he had on his body, he had all these things, and David could have been afraid, but, but David had a rudder. Follow the illustration. In 1 Samuel 17, 45-46, it says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come at me with sword and spear and with javelin, but I come at you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give, you, give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. There's a whole lot of theology in there packed up in that one statement that David said as he's moving towards the giant, as he's moving towards the trouble, the tribulation, the storm that came his way, it was the rudder that directed him straight to the way that he ought to go, which was to take down the giant. I'm feeling preaching coming on this morning now. All right, David could have wavered, but he didn't. Daniel's response, a great illustration of this rudder when he knew that prayer had been illegalized. Daniel, the prophet Daniel. The wonderful man of God that we have in the story of Daniel. When prayer was illegalized, listen to how quickly he used his rudder. He, he could have said, well, if it's illegal now, I can't pray anymore. Listen to how quickly his rudder corrected him. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, Daniel 6.10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home into his upper room and with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks to God as was his custom since early days. Boom! Right there. A rudder movement to keep him moving in the right direction. He used this rudder compressed statement of what it was that he stood for. Describing the larger things that he had an excellent spirit in him. Describing the larger sails that he had set up of he's not going to go the way the rest of the culture is going. I'm not going to give myself over to the food and to the drink that the rest of the world is. I've set up this large sail. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their response to idol worship and the, the storm was prevalent. The king sat them down and said, if you don't worship this idol, when you hear this music going, we're going to kill you. And we're going to throw you in this furnace. Listen to what these three Hebrew boys says. It says, Daniel 3, 16 and 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. They use their rudder, their compressed statement of describing the larger things that they had already set up. They had already set up that they weren't going to worship that big thing. They had already set up that they, like Daniel, weren't going to eat the foods that the rest of everyone else was and, and disobey God. They had already set up those large sails and they used their rudder, kept them going in the right direction. Uh, Peter and John, we know that they were threatened many times not to pray in Jesus' name and in the culture in that time as it is becoming in today's world. Jesus' name was offensive. And this man had been healed. Peter and John, you remember the great story that I referenced last week that this man that was lame in his legs and he was healed by Jesus and, and through Peter and John as they're going up to the temple to worship. And, and they bring them in to question them. And, and they already told them about their big sail. No, we're not. Is it right that we would obey you before God? We're setting up the large sail that we're not going to obey you. We're going to follow and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. So they bring them back in to question them further. All the Pharisees and Sadducees bring them back in to question them further. And listen to Peter and John's rudder. Acts 5, 29 and 32. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. 
The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to the right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins, that we are as witnesses of these things, and so also the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. The rudder was a small thing. It was just a small statement that Peter, standing there with the other apostles, they give their rudder statement that corrected them into the right direction. And it's so interesting that they were corrected into the right direction. And man, Peter and John, they were like the gasoline thrown on the spark of the fire. And a boom, the church just takes off from there because they were kept the course. They stayed straight because of the big sails that they had put up and because of the rudder that they had, the, con- the compressed statement. So what I'm convinced of, because of God's Word, is that both storms will come, that much is sure, and that we ought to have a rudder. We ought to have one of these compressed statements that describe the large sails of praise Jesus through worship and the Word, of proclaim the Gospel to our neighbors and the nations, of practice holiness through New Testament orders and ordinances. Those are big sails produce disciples marked by love and loyalty. Those are the sails that we've, we've put up, and that's, that's the banner under which we're going now. I've heard it been said before that when you're up to your neck in alligators, it's difficult to keep your mind on the fact that your primary objective was to cross the river. <laughs> and I just believe that perhaps alligators are coming. That just perhaps that there's a storm coming. That just perhaps there's some, there's some difficult things that will come our way based on what Jesus says. And we know that that's true. And I don't know what that will be. It may take all kinds of forms. It may be things that are strictly moral issues. It may be something that's just a difficult decision that we have to make. Uh, John MacArthur's church and, and all the other churches in California, man, they're struggling right now under this mandate that they're not allowed to meet. And they're experiencing the tribulation just like Jesus promised that they would have. But they're sailing the right direction, and I pray that they have a rudder that keeps them moving straight in the right direction. It, it could be the rewriting of Scripture and to say that the Bible is now hate speech. Perhaps by the LGBTQ agenda or the the pro-abortion agenda that would say that that's, that's wrong to condemn that kind of thing, those kinds of actions. Perhaps it'll be the weakening of denominations, church denominations that we see all around us. This has been going on for years. And we see this continually, progressively happening with theologically conservative denominations. Perhaps that will be the, the tribulation that will come our way. I don't know. Maybe you heard this week that if you are a ball player in the NFL... You are encouraged and praised to go to protest, but you're not allowed to go to church. See these things with your eyes wide open, church. The the tribulations and these types of things may be difficult for us to go through, but we're we're going to go through it with Jesus leading us. Perhaps it will not be a moral issue, but just a challenging decision. As I mentioned a moment ago that, you know, I don't know, you know, if we outgrow this building and, I mean, lots of decisions to make and, Man, there's just a lot all up with that decision and all that goes on. I mean, it, it, there could be some, some trials in that. But if you're ready to hear what our rudder purpose statement is, church, the rudder, our purpose statement, our description, our compressed statement of what it is that the, the large sails that we put up, if you're ready to hear them, everyone say yes. And we can put it up on the screen, gentlemen. Calling every follower of Jesus... To magnify His name, minister His gospel, mimic His holiness, and multiply His disciples. 
So, and again, as I asked you with the core values that we've already been through, if you find this pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ, not because this is Pastor Ben's tagline for the church. No, if you find that this pleases your Savior, I'm going to ask you to memorize this. And what I'd like to do for the remainder of the time that we have this morning is just go through very briefly to describe what each piece of this means and how it relates to the large sales that we have hoisted for our church. First and foremost, calling every follower of Jesus. I think we have that highlighted. Say those first words with me. Calling every follower of Jesus. This is something that I'm calling all of us to be on board with. This is not just something that myself, the board members, and the Sunday school teachers can do. No, this is something that we all must do together. Every follower of Jesus. Every follower of Jesus. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, A threefold cord is not easily broken. It doesn't mean that we should have a church of three people. It means that there's strength in our numbers. That we can encourage one another. That this is something that we all must do together. And I would even say, I know this has always been important, and the importance of this has never been in question, but man, going into the world we're going into, we need each other, church. We need each other's encouragement. We need each other to link arms and to move forward together. Raise your hand if you've ever heard the term or the phrase, all hands on deck. Yeah, we've all heard that. You know where that comes from? It comes from this type of ship that we have in our mind, this picture that we have of this boat with these sails. And, and the way it would normally work is one half of the crew would tend to the boat and to the direction of the boat and all these things, and the other half would rest. And then they would flip-flop and rotate so that there could always be people resting. But, but if the captain saw a storm coming, what the call that would be sounded out across the entire boat would be, all hands on deck. And all hands on deck meant that there was a need for everyone to be involved. There was a need for everyone to wake up out of the slumber that they had been in. And everyone needed it. There was a purpose and a place for every single person to be with their hands on the deck so that the ship could move forward, yes, even in the storm, to achieve the purposes, to achieve the goal, the destination that was set out for this boat. So what am I saying? I'm saying all hands on deck, New Covenant Community Church. All hands on deck. We've got a lot of visitors this morning, and if you've been out of church for a long time, and I'm not, this is not a, this is not a, this is not an advertisement for this church, but I'm saying there's a church somewhere, whether it's your home church that you've been away from for a long time, all hands on deck. It's needed greatly. You have gifts, skills, talents, and abilities that your church needs, and you need the church also. You need to be in the body of Christ and fellowship with it regularly. So if you're following me so far, look to your neighbor and say, all hands on deck. We're calling every follower of Jesus to magnify his name say those words with me magnify his name this is obviously the compressed piece that we get from the large sale that we've put up of praise jesus through worship and the word we're putting it in a simple way and simple words so it's simple to remember and simple to do listen church when opposition in whatever form that it comes to us as is promised by jesus when it comes it's important that we know to magnify jesus so that we can decipher how we go about certain things. Churches all over California right now are doing the right thing. They're meeting. Jesus commanded those things. They're meeting. They're doing the right thing before God. And it's because they've had this, they've, they've, been, they've been swallowing enough of God's truth to know that their purpose is to magnify God. Their, that is their purpose. That's their, the reason for their existence of their being. They are to magnify God. When Scripture, should it, I hope not in my lifetime, but should it become qualified as hate speech? and illegal to stand up here with God's Word and to preach and to teach out of it. 
We ought to be so full of God and His Word that we know that no, our goal is, our purpose, our mission is to magnify God, to praise Jesus through worship and the Word. We're going to magnify Jesus and to have no question, to never have a moment where we're thinking like, oh, what do I do? You see David on the battlefield, he didn't have an oh, what do I do moment. He just, he knew that his, his mission, his purpose was to take out the enemy of God in this way. When denominations weaken to the point of sheer disobedience, there's no question about what's right and wrong. We just make decisions of what is right, what is wrong based on God's word. We magnify his name. When NFL players are banned from going to church, but they're praised on social media for going to protests, wrong, dead wrong, no, no question. You don't even have to think about it. it it's, it's wrong. Magnify the name of the Lord. That is our mission. That is our goal to praise Jesus through worship into the word to magnify his name. When challenging decisions come for our church. And these aren't necessarily moral things, but should we in a year be packed in here like sardines and we don't, there's, we're putting people like on the wall and stuff? Like, what do you do? I mean, challenging decisions that the goal is to magnify his name. And whatever magnifies his name is what we'll do. We'll follow Jesus. We'll trust him. He's always been faithful to me. He's always been faithful to this church. We'll magnify his name. So I'm giving every person who calls New Covenant Community Church their home church the purpose and task of making much of Jesus in these things. If you've ever seen somebody use a magnifying glass, why do they do it? It's so that they can, whatever they're looking at, they can see every angle of it. They can see it in its fullness. They see its beauty. I'm asking you to be like John, John the Baptist in John 3, verse 30, when he says, he must increase. I must put the magnifying glass on Christ, and I must decrease. We're calling every follower of Jesus to magnify his name. If you're following along, everyone say yes. Thank you for helping me preach this. It makes me know that we're going through this together. Next, we're calling every follower of Jesus to magnify his name and to minister the gospel. We obviously get this from the large sale that we've put up of proclaim the gospel to our neighbors and the nations. And what I would encourage of you, church, and I've seen many churches, especially as churches grow and mature and become older, not the age of the members, but just the church as it moves through history from the time that it was conceived to, the, to as we near the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I see so many churches that will, they so intellectualize gospel sharing and what it is that the gospel is. And it's a great temptation as churches grow larger and larger. Let us never do that. Let's always remember what it is that, that we're to minister the gospel. Don't ever intellectualize it to the point where you think this is just something that we put in a mission or a purpose statement because that's what churches are supposed to do. No, that's not what the gospel is, church. The gospel, if you were walking with your friend down a hiking path and all of a sudden you realize that there are these snakes around you, and your friend gets bitten by this snake and, and there was some type of anti-venom that you had that you had already had in your body so that the power of this snake bite is worthless. It doesn't mean anything to you. It could bite you and you may feel a sting. You may not. It's, it's, there's, there's no power in it whatsoever for your body. But your friend is falling to the ground with seizures. Their lips begin to swell. They begin to vomit uncontrollably. Their body, they're crying out with these horrible gasps of breath and pain. And, and you're holding the anti-venom in your hand. That's the gospel. 
that you could minister something, if they would allow you to, to show you this thing that you have that's in your that's, that's broken the power of death, it has no longer has any power over you. And here they are in this horrible, horrible state, and, and you have the opportunity to say, let me show you this great cure for this great problem that you have. The great problem that people have is that they're facing a just, good, and holy God on Judgment Day, and they need the Lord Jesus Christ calling every follower of Jesus to magnify His name and minister the Gospel. So that waiter or waitress, they may look cute with a smile on their face now, but where are they headed in eternity? Everybody will spend eternity somewhere. And that delivery guy, the Amazon guy that brings, drives this van down your driveway and brings you all those packages, where's he going? What's in him? Does he have the antivenom in his body? Does he have Jesus? Is he ready for the, the thing that is coming, the death that is coming for all of us? Has that thing been broken in his life? Or has it not? The post office worker, the family member, calling every follower of Jesus to magnify his name and to minister his gospel. Mark sixteen fifteen says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What a great verse. Let's move on from here if you're following along calling every follower of Jesus to magnify His name, minister His gospel, and mimic His holiness. To mimic. Say those words with me. Mimic His holiness. We get this from the large sale that we've hoisted of practice holiness through New Testament orders and ordinances. And, and hear me on this, church. This is not mimicking His holiness in a way that we're so perfect that everyone sees us and wants to be like us or like Jesus because they see how disciplined we are in these things. I don't believe that that wins people. I believe what wins people is a humble recognition that you need Jesus. That your life is broken without Him. And you're willing to be transparent with the people around you to say, hey, I, I don't, I'm not better than you. I, I was damned like everyone was, but Jesus saved you. Let, let me show you about how much I need Him and how much He's, all the things that He's done to save me and the perfect gift that He's given me in His Son. And let me tell you about these things. Just a few summers ago, I guess a number of summers ago now, I was in Guatemala and, uh, and they love soccer there. The kids just love soccer. And they particularly love American soccer players. I don't even think I could name an American soccer player, but they just, I mean, it's like baseball cards. They love American soccer players. And when they heard that a group of 30, 35 college-age students, American college-age students were going to come and play soccer with them, and these big Americans get off this bus, they smell like sunscreen, and they've got those glasses with the little band on the back of it. You know what I'm talking about. When they heard that, they got so excited. And, th and their vision of what an American soccer player was being formed based on what they're watching. And what I'm, on, what I'm saying to you, church, is that the world is watching you. And their version of Jesus is being formulated by your life. That's why Jesus says, be holy as I am holy. That's why Daniel said, I'm not going to go this way that the rest of the culture goes. The world was watching him. I mean, it was even the king noted that Daniel had such an excellent spirit inside of him that he was thinking of putting him over the entire realm. There was something different in Daniel. There ought to be something different in us as we mimic the holiness of Jesus, as we seek to have Christ's holiness and that to just totally encompass and encase our lives. So let us be authentic in the work of mimicking His holiness. We ought to be a holy people church. There ought to be a list of things that we do as believers. Fellowship and love and worship and God's Word and all these things, but there ought to be a list of things that we don't do. 
there ought to be a list of things that we don't do and, and, and find great joy in because I'm convinced that the don't do list that God gives me is for my good. And I'm convinced of it and I'm convinced of it fully. Moving on, we're calling every follower of Jesus to magnify His name, to minister His gospel, to mimic His holiness. And lastly, to multiply His disciples. Multiply His disciples. Say those words with me. Multiply His disciples. Why would we not? We've got the keys to eternal life in Jesus. How, how could we not want to share that? We obviously get this portion of our purpose statement from the core value, produce disciples marked by love and loyalty. That's the direction we're headed. That's, that's what's moving the ship in the direction that we're going. Now church, when a storm comes upon a ship, a good captain will know that he, as I said earlier, that the sails used in conjunction with the rudder can keep them going straight if their destination is 300 miles away. Even if a storm is coming, they can continue moving straight in the direction that they ought to go because they're using these things in unison. So what will our reaction be when we see storms coming? When we see the Goliath coming across the valley of Elah? When, when we see the things that are illegalized that we know are godly? Are we going to sit there and panic? Are we going to sit there and question what it is that we're doing? Or are we going to be able to use the large things that we set up in conjunction with this rudder to continue on to stay steadfast for the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, I believe that using these things together, we can make disciples even in the culture that we're in. That we can be a healthy and thriving church even in the culture in there, that we are in. Paul and Silas were making disciples in prison. <laughs> what, a, what a storm that they were in. Chained to the wall. And they're making disciples and they're singing and they're praising God. When Paul was in prison, he was, God was using him to write these letters that would become Scripture. That what, what an amazing thing that God was using Paul as the pen while Paul was in prison, chained to a wall. Jesus was making disciples while He was hanging on a cross. My friends, if these great heroes of the faith and even our Savior Himself can do these things, then, then, then we must mimic these things. We must, we must emulate these things in our life no matter what we're going through to seek to make disciples. In the world you will have tribulation. Jesus says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So if you love that power in your life, say amen. amen. We must have Him. We must recognize that, that the this, this storm we could be sailing into, that Jesus as captain standing at the front, He turns around and looks at us and says, it's okay, I've already been here. I've already done this. I've already overcome this world, this tribulation that you see coming. It's already done. So we have Him as our captain. We have the large sails on this huge, powerful pole mass that are pushing us, praising Jesus through worship and the Word, proclaiming the Gospel to our neighbors and the nations, practicing holiness through New Testament orders and ordinances, and producing disciples marked by love and loyalty. But that's not the only thing we have. We've got a rudder also. We've got the purpose statement of our church that we're calling every follower of Jesus to magnify His name, to minister His Gospel, to mimic His holiness, and to multiply His followers. If you believe that, say yes. You know, something that's interesting that um, out west where it's so wide and open and flat and you can see storms coming from a long way away, um, cattle get scared and they run from it. But buffalo who have grown up on the plains their entire lives, they do something that's so interesting. Usually animals don't do this kind of thing. They put their head down and they run straight to the storm. And they keep running until they're through it. Because they know that, I don't know if they're thinking this or not, that sounds like buffalo are pretty smart, but 
As, as this storm is moving, the cattle spend more time in the storm because they're running away afraid of it. But the buffalo turn themselves to it and they're and they in it for just a moment because it's passing over them and they're running this way. And it's kind of interesting that a, a captain of a ship will sometimes do the same thing. If the storm is calm and it's light, they'll continue on moving forward even with using their, their sails and the rudder. They'll keep going on towards their destination. But if it's a really bad storm coming, because out in the water you can see these storms coming, and if it's a really bad storm coming, they'll turn the ship around. They'll gain as much speed as they can and go straight through it. And sometimes I just wonder if there's wisdom in that principle of turning ourselves into such a position that we say, Jesus, if tribulation is going to come, bring it. We've got You. We've got Your Word. We've got these foundational things that we're building this church on, that we're trusting You, that it's Your Word, that it's worshiping You, magnifying You, that it's all these things that we've said that this church is about. If that's going to be the case and tribulation will come, bring it on. I feel strong today in the Lord. Because Jesus is our Savior. He's our Captain. He's our Shepherd. He's guiding us. And we're on these foundations that are of God's Word. They please Him. There, there is no one suited better to go through these things than we are. There's no one better suited to go through whatever tribulation might come for the believer than a church that loves each other, that loves God's Word, is focused on God's Word, and Jesus is our shepherd. There, it, bring it. Bring it. We, we can do it. If there's anyone that can do it, we can because of Jesus is our forefront. Because He is our shepherd. If you would come and worship, we will begin to close. Church, would you stand with me? I hope you have followed along clearly in this process. Next week we'll begin a, a whole series that we'll do based on end times and all of these things. But, but today, church, today, be reminded, long-time member of New Covenant Community Church, be reminded, visitor today, be reminded, church, that there is a, there is a storm of death coming for each and every person who has a pulse today. And it means something completely different for believers and non-believers. If you're a believer, you look, to, you look at the storm of death, you see, you see it coming, you know even as a young man, there's something that could take my life unexpectedly. For you folks in here that are older, I mean, I mean, let's just be plain. We all grow old and we all will die. Or some of us, our life will be required of us sooner. But for the believer, you see it coming. And you see it and Jesus looks at you and says, I've already been there already done that has no power over you your grave is an empty one when you trust and follow me follow me through this storm I'll show you the way out I've already been there that's who Jesus is to me today if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ this this impending thing that's coming you don't know the way out it has power over you and the devil would love to use it to destroy you forever and I believe that. I believe that everyone will spend eternity somewhere. That we're not just going to die and become worm food and that's it. I, I don't believe that. And I think if you look at your heart of hearts, you'd, you'd believe that too. So I'm calling you to come to Jesus. I'm calling you to trust the one who has the answer. I'm calling you to trust the one. Put your faith, your trust. Ask Him to forgive you. The, the one who can show you the way out. The one who's already been there. I'm asking you to trust Him. And if you would like to do that or any other prayer need that you have, I'd love to be able to be up here and pray with you. I'll be up here as we sing through this song. 
And we have some church business to take care of after that. But if you'd like to come now, or if you'd like to come later, I'd, I'd love to talk to you and pray with you and show you the great love of God that has broken the back of death in my life and rendered it powerless. Let's pray. Jesus, what a journey. What a journey that we are on. It's difficult sometimes, but we love you. We trust you. And we take this moment to recognize that you are the one who has already been there. That we have a, a legitimate and valid reason to be of good cheer. Of good cheer. Not dismayed because of the way things are going. Not downtrodden. God, forgive me when it has soured my attitude from the, the horrible, horrific things that are going on in our world right now. I have a reason to be of good cheer. Because my captain, my savior, my king, my God, my shepherd, my friend, my maker, my father. You've already been there, Jesus. You've already been through death. You've already found the way out. You've already broken its power. You, you've swallowed it up in your great magnificent power. So I rejoice today, Father. I rejoice today that I... The darkness has no power over me anymore. And I pray for all who are here today who would be slaves to this darkness, slaves to this impending judgment, slaves to the reality that death is coming for everyone. Physical death. But spiritual life only for a few. Let us be a church that brings, brings the lost into the found as we display your glory, your goodness, and your great grace that overcomes our own sin. We love you, Jesus. In his great name we pray. And all the church says, let's worship together.